Hi, Anj. Hey, Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I'm so excited to have you on today and dive into your story and your experience in this field of music therapy <laughs> and how you left it. And mm-hmm. I had to like hold myself back before we hit record because I just wanted to start asking you <laughs> and going into it. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> ask after we press record. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, we could just get through the whole conversation beforehand Mm -hmm. and be like, okay, we have to repeat ourselves now. (laughs) So I, um, so my in-laws knew you before I did. Mm -hmm. And I think the first time I met you was in one of my music therapy classrooms. I don't know. I don't know if you remember this. (laughs) I don't know if I do. (laughs) Okay. I think I was an undergrad And it was this one class where my professor had local music therapists coming in and talking about specific populations or specific, um, like facilities that, that music therapists worked in. And you were one of these music therapists. (laughs) That's so crazy. (laughs) So yeah, that was far before I married Greg and met, you know, all of his family friends and everyone. Oh my goodness. That's so yeah, I had honestly forgotten about that until recently. And for my own reasons, going back through old journals for different parts of my life, I found this one part where I was like, I'm so excited. I get to head back to NAS to go speak to the intro of, to music therapy group that and to talk about what it. I'm doing. And I was yeah. like, I don't remember ever doing that. But I mean, I, I've journaled about oh it, so goodness. I must have been there. And that's probably, honestly... The, that the class occurrence. that you were in, because otherwise I don't know when else I would have been there. But that makes wow. perfect sense to me. And that's, yeah, that's so funny that yeah. I was just, that was just recalled to me recently. So it must feel oh, like funny. a lifetime ago, like a it different, really, like you were a different person. I've had, yes, I, in my, in my 39 years of life, I think that I've been at least 39 different people. Wow. So, wow. <laughs> maybe not 39, but, but yeah. I, yeah, I would say, I would say each decade kind of has its own version of me and, and yeah, so that would have been back in, I don't know what, 2009 or 2010. Does mm-hmm. that sound about right? Is yep. that I started in 2008. Okay. Yeah. So, so somewhere around there. Somewhere around there that, yeah, that I came that I yeah so that was wow a decade ago I was a totally different totally different me (laughs) wow wow so so let me just ask you this how does Mm -hmm. it feel to be you right now how does it feel to be me right now yeah in this version of yourself in this life this version of me right now feels like the most authentic version of me Mm. um and that's taken a lot of work a lot of therapy a lot of um you know self-realizations and yeah no nowhere near um like I said for my own reasons been going through some old journals and just seeing the different versions of myself and the different ways that I used to think and I can guarantee none of those journals had hopes of me ending up where I am right now yet this feels like um the most ideal version of me Mm -hmm. that I could be and And each of those, each of those pieces of me that I look at as like different versions of myself or different people in and of themselves are, were building blocks. Like, Mm -hmm. so whenever I end up telling my story or telling, you know, how I got to where I am, it's amazing to me how 
each thing was a building block and ended up serving a purpose somewhere else down the road that, yeah. um, I mean, it's kind of sounds cliche, I guess, but like, you know, like each, each thing had its reason, each thing's had its purpose. Yeah. And years later I can look back at it and I'm like, Oh, that's why I did that. Or, Oh, that's why I went to school for this. Or, Oh, that's mm-hmm. why, you know, like I'm able to yeah. pull on that and I'm able to like grasp, um, from all of those little pieces that, that, so cool that made up who I am today. But today is by far, I'm the most comfortable in my own skin. Um, I don't feel, I don't feel responsible to be anything except for myself. And that's a very freeing, a very, very Mm. freeing feeling that it took, and it took a long time to get here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, so cool. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. And correct me if I'm wrong, but music therapy was one of those building blocks. Music therapy was a huge building block, yeah. a massive building block. Um, yeah. For, for who I am. And so though I don't mm-hmm. practice music therapy and I don't have the little letters after my name, which was a whole thing. I wanted to get the letters after my name. <laughs> That's a really um, big thing. It, it really is. I, I feel wanted like it's the title. Way, I wanted the license. It's like a way bigger thing than like it is when you get it. Mm-hmm. It's like you get it and it's like this huge celebration and then you're like, okay, no one really cares. <laughs> no, no one does care. <laughs> but so even though, yeah, I'm not, in my daily job, I'm not going and I'm not practicing music therapy. My guitar hasn't come out of its case in several years. Um, mm-hmm. The most the most piano that I use is when Aria, my daughter Aria needs help with her scales. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I can at least remember that. Um <laughs> But yeah, the things, um, the overarching themes of music therapy and the way that the body works, the way the mind works and the way that we interact with music and the way that music interacts with the world, I feel like no matter where I am in life, those are, those are pieces that I'm so thrilled. I have at least a little bit of like an undergirding and a foundation um, mm-hmm. that taught me because now I'm able to pay attention to it. Yeah. I'm able to use it in my own emotional regulation or in my daughter's emotional regulation or like mm-hmm. um, I pay attention to it now for myself. Like I, it's like I'm, I'm doing music therapy for myself. Like right. on the days where my anxiety is high and I'm having trouble finding my breath and I'm like, oh, wait. If yeah. I put on this aria, I know that I'm going to actually breathe right because of those years in school, I was trained and the muscle memory is there that I'm going to get my deep breaths if I just breathe along yeah. with whoever's singing it, you know? Yeah. And that's the type of stuff that I would have never thought to do. Right. But I have a degree without mm-hmm. the letters after my name, but I have the degree <laughs> and, and, and the degree helps me. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's made me a better person and it's helped me in the way that yeah. I, I live my life. <sighs> That's so cool. And like, oh, I want to just say like, that is so hopeful for like, I, I'm just thinking maybe there's someone listening who is feeling like maybe they're in school and they're like, you know what? I'm kind of wondering if music therapy is not it, mm-hmm. but it feels like I can't walk away because I'll be throwing this all away. Yeah. And you're kind of here as a testament to say it it makes you a better person. It's just nothing's part of who wasted. You are. Nothing yeah. there's there's no part of life that's wasted. Yeah. And um I learned that early on because I didn't go to college for music therapy first. When I graduated oh. from high school I mm-hmm. went to college for elementary education. Oh I didn't and, know that. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um 
And that was a whole, whole other weird, like happenstance of my plans after high school graduation were to do an internship at this, um, place out in Colorado and a couple Mm -hmm. days before graduation, they canceled the internship. And oh wow! so I ended up going to another local college for elementary education because it was the only college I had applied to. And that was because I knew the admissions counselor and I wanted to get him the points. And, um, I was there. I didn't finish that degree, but I went for two years and it was again, a lesson in, I might have been able, I might've looked at that and said that was two years wasted um, and a whole lot of money wasted, a whole lot of student debt. But hindsight, of course, I look back and I'm like, wait, the relationships that I formed during those two years at that college are the relationships that I still rely on today. Wow. The things that I learned in those classes and the, you know, the different, the different things that happened to me during those two years, nothing, mm-hmm. absolutely nothing is wasted. Mm-hmm. Um, did I ever end up teaching in a classroom? Good God, no. But... <laughs> Well, you have um, a daughter, and you probably used all those skills with her too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Funny enough, when I so when I went to school for elementary education, you had to choose a concentration, and so I chose mm-hmm. my concentration was music because I'm like, oh, oh yeah. I sing, yeah, I could do this. <laughs> this makes sense. Now I did not go to a public high school, um, and so my high school music and even my middle school music. I didn't know it at the time, but was not like on par with what most other music students might come in knowing. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I was like, of course my concentration's music. I sing because I was, you mm-hmm. know, the church singer. Like I got, you know, I was singing all over the place. I'm like, yeah. of course I can do this. And I was the music therapy or music theory dropout. I couldn't mm. even finish my first, <laughs> my first semester of music theory. Um, and then I went to oral skills. They called it yeah, oral skills. And I mm-hmm. walked into the class that first day and the teacher handed me this piece of music and was like, okay, sing. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> I, um, sing what? Like, yeah. what, what do you want me to sing? And she's like, sing what's on the page. I'm yeah, like, I, do, I don't sing think... this paper, please. Yeah, I'm like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, where's where's my accompanist? Where's my pianist that's going to tell me what notes to sing and like do whatever? And she's yeah. like, oh, this was not for you. You should leave the classroom. And and oh, so wow. I left. And that was actually like the end of my music concentration. Wow, <laughs> at, that's traumatizing. At, at, yeah, at that college. And so I when I had to audition to come to Nazareth for music therapy... I was a I had I had a little bit more of an idea of what I was getting into, um, but I had to do my audition and they did the audition. <clears throat> excuse me, they did the audition for sight singing um, with with um, Dr. Nish. I don't know if you um, Kevin mm-hmm. Nish and um, yep. and so he hands me a piece of paper and is like, "Okay, sing," and oh, I'm like, no. everything just starts to like. <laughs> bubble up in me. I'm like, no, not again. And it was a completely different atmosphere. He's like, all right, let's talk about this. What would help you? What could help you right now so that you could be able to sing? What do you need from me? And I was like, I need you to play this note on the piano. And if you can play this note on the piano, then -hmm. I'll know where to go from there. And he did. And it was just a completely different experience. Wow. And, um, and then, yes. And then I had, I had Dr. Um, Weens for, for music, theory and -hmm. I went from the music theory dropout at my first college to being a tutor at Nazareth oh wow and tutoring some of the younger kids in yeah (laughs) music theory so yeah different different seasons different 
Yeah, different I don't know. Yeah. circumstances, different people. Yep. Wow. That those are like two dra I'm I'm surprised you like stuck with it in in music, even having that that first experience I, at that um, one school. Yeah. I so I, I finished or I, I dropped out of college the first time for elementary education and I worked for a good few years um, as a nanny and I managed a day spa and I worked for several different churches doing several different things throughout that whole time. And that was when I met my husband. Mm. And when we met um, and got married and he was like, listen, if there's a degree that you want, this is going to be the time to do it. He's like, we're going to have a lot of life to live. Yeah. You didn't get to finish your first degree. Like, what is it that you want to do? And if there's something that you really want to do, then let's, let's go let's for try it. it. Yeah. And I was like, well, I didn't want to do teaching because I didn't like the classroom. And I'm like, but I love the one-on-one stuff. And I actually love therapy in general. Like I, w- I wanted to be a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm like, but I don't want to sit and talk to people and get dragged into all their drama. <laughs> so was, I'm like, I don't think I want to do like therapy therapy. And I'm like, and I don't want to have to go to school to like, I don't want to have the power to diagnose. That always freaked my head out. I'm like, if I have the power to diagnose someone, that's way too much power. And I don't, I don't want that. Like, I just yeah. want to be, I just want to be helping people. And um, had a random friend of the family who was a music therapist um, in, a, in a school district. And she let me shadow her a little bit. And then I was like, maybe this is something that I could, I could do, you know, and, and double it up with a psychology degree. And then, and then we'll see, we'll see where we go from there. And so at that time, it seemed perfect because I was like, I've already got two years under my belt. And the admissions folks at NAS were like, oh, if you already got those two years, we can get you in and out in two years. Like that's, you've already got all of like your, your appealing. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, okay, we can do this. So I started and it wasn't in, in two years. The music, mm-hmm. the music program is so sequential, and there's like, and yes, I did have theory one on my, you know, on, yeah. on my transcript, but could I actually do theory one? <laughs> no, especially after like a little break, even yes. even a little break, it's like, wait, if I'm not practicing this every day, you mm-hmm. just kind of lose it. <laughs> and so I did end up having to do three and a half years of, of school there Mm -hmm. at NAS. So everything except for one semester. Um, and the very appealing thing about music therapy, as opposed to any of the other therapy fields was at that time, you could practice with any population with just your bachelor's degree. Mm, Yeah. And I was like, this is, this Mm -hmm. is it because I do not want to be in school forever. I like, we already, you know, spent so much time in, in other school and doing other things. And then don't you know, my senior year at NAS, New York State <laughs> updated its regulations and changed everything. And um, by that time, I knew the population I wanted to work with. And I wanted to work with adult psychiatric. And okay. um, and yeah. they're, they changed it that, yeah, no, you, actually, you need your license. And you're, yeah, for your for license, you're going to need to get your master's. Um mm. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that is actually mm-hmm. the long and short of why I didn't end up practicing music therapy long term. Oh, really? Was um, that, yeah, it was, I was going to, in order to practice with the population, because I did a one-year internship yeah. after my graduation with um, Strong Ties, back when oh, it was Strong okay. Ties, um, with adult psych, and 
fell in love with it. Oh, wow. That was the population that I really thought I would be the most effective with. And mm-hmm. I found I found a lot of meaning there. Because, yes, I'm not... I'm not a star musician. Mm-hmm. I can get around one, four, five on my guitar or piano, mm-hmm. but other than that, you're not yeah. going to get much out of me. Yeah. Um, but, but with this population, it was the lyric analysis. It mm-hmm. was sitting with, you know, doing group therapy sessions where people bring in songs and talk about what does it mean to me and, and yeah. uh, picking apart those lyrics or even, even basic songwriting that didn't involve a lot of, you know, music mm-hmm. on my part. Um, we also had like a, a hand chime choir. Oh yeah, sure. And so we didn't, they didn't have to read music to do that. It was all like a color coded letter system. And so everybody mm-hmm. got any random two chimes. And so then I would write out the charts and they didn't have to follow music. I just used a pointer and I would point on you know the large poster board to the notes to the rhythm of like whatever song we were doing and they would end up playing the chords and they would end up playing it beautifully and we would put on concerts and we go around and do that but the the fact that folks who really struggled to focus and who really struggled to be present for that five minute song they were completely present in the room and they were completely right there and all of the thoughts would quiet and all of Mm. everything else. And so we would do that a few times a week. Um, There was also a young adult psychiatric population there that I got to work with um, that I was a little intimidated by at first because a lot of them didn't want to be there. And they, Mm -hmm. if they were there, it was most likely court ordered or, Mm. or family was forcing them. So these are, kids that should be in high school but are instead in this day program um, or maybe should be starting college with their friends and they aren't equipped to go to college or to manage life in college. And so Mm -hmm. they're at this day program. And those guys ended up being some of my favorite humans. And um, there was this one year I wanted to put on a Christmas concert with everybody. So we were going to do the hand chimes. We were going to have some people like perform different songs or do different things. And they were like, let's do a choir. So I was thinking okay, we'll do a Christmas choir and assuming it was going to be all of the grown adults who wanted to do this. Yeah. And it ended up being all of my young adults. And so these kind of rough around the edges and yeah, kids who don't have a good lot in life, um, wanted to put on this Christmas concert and got so into it. And Uh. they would, all wanted to wear their little Santa hats and they like, and, and then to hear the stories and it was like, well, I didn't ever get to be in choir when I was in high school or when I was in middle school. Mm. And I can remember we ended, we, we ended that Christmas concert with, um, it's kind of cheesy, but it meant a lot in the moment, but we ended it with, um, a grown up Christmas list. And they, there, there were tears and there was just, yeah, I don't know. So that was the population I wanted to work with. Like, that was the group that mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I yeah. feel like I'm making a difference. And I feel like I feel like this is the type of music that I know how to use and I can do this skillfully. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I'd have to go back and get my master's in order to work with them. Yeah. And so, so I didn't get to do that. Instead, I went and worked with um, a geriatric population for a little bit and didn't just do music therapy, but was more of an activities coordinator and mm-hmm. um, managed a lot of their life, this this home for adults with dementia, yeah. and and did that for about a year, and 
got to use many of my music therapy skills and um, but I wasn't titled the music therapist um, mm. but that's that's what I got to do and specifically for those adults with dementia the use of music it was very very it was it was a very helpful tool to bring life back and to bring joy and yeah. to, to bring even memories um, and things like that yeah so cool wow well thanks for sharing like that part of your journey and it sounds like most of it if not all of it was very positive for you Mm -hmm. like it was a good time you enjoyed it um so you know I wonder so you didn't want to go back to school so that was like the biggest thing Mm -hmm. because at the time um or maybe what the facility or the state was saying was you need your master's in order to work in mental health. Um, I feel like some people got around that. Some were grandfathered in, but yeah. I, I, I don't know. Um, I think some people yeah, got were... around it by saying, I'm not working on mental health goals. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Tricky, tricky. <laughs> Cause there's, yeah, there's a couple music therapists who don't have their master's but they're practicing within mental health and just um, not doing psychotherapy. Okay. Which is kind Uh of the piece that you said you didn't want to do, like the diagnosing. I didn't want to diagnose. Yeah. Yeah. That's so much power. (laughs) So it was kind of this like place you were at where you're like, this is really what I want to do, but I really don't want to go back to school. I couldn't. The, the, it, Financially, it did not make sense mm-hmm. when I still had student loans from my first failed attempt at college yeah. and then uh, an attempt that I thought was only going to take two years and then it took three and a half. And then I yeah. had 12 months worth of an unpaid internship. Right. Um, yeah, full year. That it did, it, it just financially didn't make sense for me to go back. And so at that time, um, we decided what was best for our family was I was, I was going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it it would be in some form of helping field. Like I just needed to be helping people. I just needed to be doing a job where I knew when I showed up, somebody's day might be brighter or, Mm -hmm. you know, there, there, there's some type of tangible thing where I can feel like I'm helping somebody. Um, and so I was able to find that job, um, for the adults with dementia. And then, then life happened and I got, recruited by a church and started working there Wow! and was there for seven years. And so by then at that point, my whole life was wrapped up in that. And so I didn't, Mm -hmm. um, I didn't ever go back to school and I didn't, I didn't finish that degree or I didn't start that master's. Yeah. And yeah, who knows what's ahead? Like, like the options are still there. College loans are finally paid off. So yes. So who knows what lies ahead and if that's something that I would pursue in the future. The door is definitely not closed. Um, Really? Yeah. Probably talking about it too. It's like (laughs) you can hear the excitement in your voice. All the memories of like (laughs) the the joyful, like, yeah. But I um, currently work for a university. I'm in Mm -hmm. in an emergency department at uh, um, University of Rochester. And so if I do want to continue my master's, it probably wouldn't be to continue in music therapy because it would be something that I could do at the University of Rochester. Something that they would want to... That they would pay for. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
exactly. <laughs> Something and they'd pay for. That, mm-hmm. I feel like that's like how it goes. And it's, it's like so unfortunate to think about because music therapy is this like beautiful field where you see these amazing moments and people come alive and you connect and it's like this thing. But it's almost like it should be like a necessity. Mm. Um, like it should be a standard part of any organization. But it's not. It's like we need a nurse first before we need a music therapist mm-hmm. because a nurse can give someone an IV. Right. And that literally saves their life in the moment. Music can help ease the pain and help the transition and help, you know, like mm-hmm. it's a supportive service. Um, but it's not necessarily going to do what an IV does. Yeah. And it sucks to think about it in that way. Yeah. Especially when you go to college for it and you get this degree <laughs> and you do the internship and you get the fancy letters yes. after your name. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, people don't really see this job as, you know. Essential. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, it's so rough. Yeah, it is. And I don't, I, th- I feel like in, um, some of the circles that I've I've been in, there's almost this thought that music therapists are like the the woo woo crazy like yeah kind of <laughs> don't necessarily pay attention to the science and things like that, right. and it's more like this emotional whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh wait, no 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 no, like no, that's not what we learned in school. Like no, yeah. we know the science, we know. <laughs> how the body responds to these things and why it's important and like why this is absolutely necessary and why I can't think of a single human that music therapy would not benefit. Right. Because I can't think of a single human who music doesn't affect in some way. Right. So that's, that's where it's like both because Mm -hmm. I feel like it, it is that woo woo. Like, well, of course there's a woo woo because music is like, it's an art form. Yes. So there's the art, there's the, like this whole, Whatever your take on like the spirit world or like the, mm-hmm. you know, the untouchables, the things, yeah. the things that you can't put your fingers on, but you can feel it and that mm-hmm. you know it and you're intuitive about it and you can sense it. Of course that's in there. Like, right, that's, right. that's everything that music is and that's how it pulls on your heartstrings and that's how it like speaks yeah. to you. But like. There's so much more. There's more to it. <laughs> and there is science to back it up. Like, yeah. and there is, there's so much good in it. But, and yeah. even like isn't the evidence from the people we work with, from the clients, like from their mouths, shouldn't that be enough Mm. to say that music therapy is essential? Yeah. But I guess it's the world we live in that says, I guess it is. We need to do it this way and we need all this research. And even when you have Mm -hmm. the research, because it's artistic, we don't really believe it. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It's so crazy. Oh, wow. But... One of like the videos they sh- they showed us a lot in school, I feel like, but the in the research behind it, the one um, the way that you can use music therapy during a procedure to reduce the amount of pain medication that somebody mm. needs to take, like that mm-hmm. alone, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like we're right. in this opioid epidemic or whatever of like trying to trying to help reduce the amount of pain medicine that we're putting in people. Yeah, it's like. But the way the med- the whole insurance and healthcare system works, they don't want to put the time into like what does it take 
to get a person so that you can use music in that way because you can't just walk into any random room and start singing, you know, a song with them. Like it takes right. the building the relationship with them or it takes um, learning even what type of music they're into. Yeah. Um, it takes a trained music therapist. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. To do that. But even that. So again, building blocks that helped me live my life, building yeah. my playlist for when I gave birth to Aria. Oh. That was total music therapy. It was like, yeah. okay, so here's my early labor playlist. Mm-hmm. Here's my like, once we get going. And then here's <laughs> like, like it was that whole gradual build. I was like, I want to pay attention to the tempo. I want to pay attention wow. to my breathing. What songs do I know that I breathe through? And yeah. um, and used that whole playlist for that ridiculously long labor that I was in. But mm-hmm. even that, like the, the staff there at the hospital paid attention to that. And they were like, yeah you're a really unique laboring mother. Like we've never (laughs) seen somebody labor this way and who is so like in tune with their body and just kind of centered and breathing through, but like focused on the music. And I was like, well, yeah, my music therapy degree. Yeah, used all (laughs) of If it didn't do anything for me, it helped me birth my kid with less pain medication. Wow. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's awesome. (laughs) That's so good. Yeah. (laughs) I yeah, love I think that. I've, so. Yes, I guess I've mentioned that twice in this conversation, but I really feel like the the majority of music therapy, what I use it towards, is very intertwined with breath, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and how you can regulate your breath and your breathing and your deep breathing mm-hmm. and kind of centering yourself through the use of music. And how so cool that like, even though you're not practicing right now, you're using it. You're using all of those skills and those tools in your own personal life and your mm-hmm. family life. Mm-hmm to have a better life and get yeah. through hard times. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so oh good. yeah. I use it all the time with my daughter and, and pre music therapy degree. I grew up in a very, um, a very religious home where, um, there wasn't necessarily the space for all of the emotions. Mm-hmm. You had to, you know, I hear you keep the joy and all of that. So my, my, MO back then would have been if I was feeling sad to put on a peppy tune and to be like work myself up into this like happy emotion and be like yeah 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 you know like rah 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 myself up and um and to instead learn through our training about mirroring and about like meeting the person where they're at and then like letting it be like the slow gradual transition to bring them mm-hmm. out of whatever funk they're in or you know out of whatever depressive state they might be in so to be able to use that with my own daughter and realize that okay my kids growing up learning that it's okay to be angry and we can stomp and we can listen to angry songs and we can let out all of those emotions and then gradually. And so it's fun to watch her even now use that where she'll Mm -hmm. like pause in the middle of the day and she's like, I need to pause and listen to such and such. I'm like, okay. She's Mm -hmm. like, I'm not going to be able to go further until I do. (laughs) All right. All right. Then you take your, you take your little time and you go listen to your song. And so she's even learning like, yeah, how to, how to use it, like how to, um, how to regulate herself and how to, yeah. to, yeah. What a, herself. what a healthy little kid you've got. <laughs> she is. <laughs> Using music to help her. Oh, I, I just, I want that for everyone, mm-hmm. you know, just everyone um, to use music in that way. It's like we lose sight of it, mm-hmm. but um, wow. So I want to um, take a second and just go back um, because I feel like a lot of my conversations or maybe even just a lot of my thoughts come to this um, idea of adulting and mm. like figuring out what we need to do to survive and yeah. 
<laughs> what we need to do to be responsible with our lives. Mm-hmm. And um, on one of the episodes I recorded, I talked about, you know, what what happens if there isn't a music therapy job in your area? Hmm. What do you do? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you probably just need to get a job, first of all, yep. to support <laughs> yourself and pay bills. And then you can maybe create a job or, um, you know, reach out to places to contract with them and do those things. So I wanted to just bring that back up because you knew and and your husband knew like at the time you just needed a job Mm -hmm. and it wasn't worth the time, the effort, the money that it would cost to go back to school or to maybe find a different type of music therapy job. Mm -hmm. You were just like, I need a job. This fits pretty well. And you kind of went with it. Yeah. And I think that's so great. Like that is so responsible (laughs) of you (laughs) at that time of your life. It was, um, I mean, yeah, I was given also when I went to school for music therapy, an adult student, they say, or whatever, because I was, because I had already failed at my first attempt at college. You know, I was a college dropout (laughs) and then I worked for like five or six years and then I was going back to, I was going back to Nazareth. I don't know. I was probably 23 or 24 when I started, when I was starting the degree. Um, so I mean, not adult, adult in like real life terms, but as far as like compared to the other college freshmen, mm-hmm. I was married, I owned a house, like yeah, <laughs> I was an adult student. You were a couple um, stages, yeah, ahead. and and so, um, graduating, doing the one year unpaid internship, yeah, knowing I just I need to get a job, and I'm, I don't know, I consider myself a fairly adaptable person, like I'm gonna make things work. Um, and so I knew I had to, I had to really, really clamp down on what are, what are the values? Like, what do I actually know I need to be doing every day in order to feel like I'm fulfilling some type of purpose? Yeah. So I'm not necessarily using my degree, but I know like, so the job that I took right out of there was with the, the adults, adults with dementia. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know my skill set well enough to know that what I'm doing there, I feel like I'm making a difference. So I knew I just needed, I needed a job where I felt like I was making a difference somewhere. Even if I couldn't be using my music therapy degree, even if I didn't have my guitar strumming my songs, if I, if I could leave the work day knowing that I made a difference, then it didn't feel so bad that I wasn't using my degree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm sure there's plenty of people who are going to end up having to take the random desk job just so that they Mm -hmm. can get a paycheck. But if I could encourage anybody with something, it would be, it would be like, figure out what that value is. Like yeah. the value right now, is it, I need to pay my bills. So I need to do whatever I can to pay my bills. And then maybe I'm going to volunteer on my off hours and find some place where I can go and feel like I'm making a difference and feel yeah. like, you know, um, I also, oh, I did so many random little things. So I, mm-hmm. in order to keep the music up, I became a, um, a kinder music educator. Oh yeah. Sure. And so I started to host kinder music classes um, and so I got hired by a Montessori school to come and teach a couple kinder music classes in their after school program. And I was also doing it at another local school, just random things like that, where it was like, yeah. okay, I'm still kind of using music and I'm still kind of, you know, doing these things. So I was doing that in addition to my full-time job. So I'm getting my paycheck. Mm-hmm. I know it's coming. Like, I know that I'm bringing money home, but I still had these other little outlets where it felt like I was able to use some portion of, of, you know, what I went to school for and what I was learning. 
But yeah, yeah. adulting, adulting <laughs> is hard. <laughs> and I feel like that's that's just what you have to do, especially with with a field like this where there aren't job openings in every facility or every town or every state. Mm-hmm. It's like you kind of have to pick apart what it is you love about music therapy and then find that fulfillment in other places, even if it's like split up. Yeah. Yeah. And so for me, that one piece that I needed was to feel like I was helping somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I know I knew I knew I needed a job in some form of the helping field. But I don't think American culture sets us up well for adulting because I feel like we're told if you go to college and you get the degree that you're going to land this massive job and that somehow yeah. you're better than all of these other people who didn't go to college and who are like right. working these, you know, like blue collar jobs or whatever. And it's like, no, no, actually, no. And like we're, we're taught right. to have this like massive dream and that we're all going to be these huge difference makers and that everything mm-hmm. that we do is going to carry like this massive weight in the world. Yeah. It's like, no, I actually feel like there are many other cultures who get it better where it's like mm-hmm. you go to job and you, you do your you do your work, but your life is outside of that. Like find mm-hmm. other ways to, you know, for your family life or for your other outlets or start a band if you need a music outlet or, mm-hmm. you know, go do karaoke. Like, I don't know, but go do, yeah. you know, like like find find those outlets to actually have fun and make a difference. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I was brought up like that I was going to change the world and that, you know, like whatever you do has to have this major purpose behind it. It was like, no, sometimes it's just to get a paycheck Mm -hmm. and to know that to know that there's food on the table and that like like your fulfillment doesn't have to be placed solely in a job. No, it does not need to be. It probably should. No, definitely. (laughs) Nowadays, (laughs) like jobs and security within a job are so it's so fickle. Like, yeah. You could lose your job at any moment for any set of reasons. Yep. And you, you're like, we're not prepared for that. Mm-hmm. So it's so important to find your fulfillment outside of a job, like in your own music making, in your yeah. family, in your friends, in, in your, your immediate community. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I feel like within music therapy, it's like we have to land this full-time perfect music therapy job in just the right setting that we like the most (laughs) (laughs) like I hear you with um having an internship that you really enjoyed and you felt right at home at and then going into the workforce and you couldn't do that job Mm -hmm. there wasn't any job available like for me my internship was hospice care and I loved it fell in love Mm. and there are no hospice jobs here and I've tried to create them and you just, yeah. I can't move it forward because the facilities, the agencies, even just the people in the area, they're not open to it or oh. they don't get it or yeah. it's going to take 10 years to get yeah. to that place. So then it's like, okay, well, how can I find that same fulfillment in my life or in my work or right. just in every single day Yeah, to keep going? Oh. But it's worth having these conversations. Oh, definitely. Because I feel like there's so, there are so many of us who kind of hit that brick wall and we're like, okay, music therapy is amazing and magical and beautiful and awesome. And I want to do this and I can't Mm -hmm. because of X, Y, Z and I need to pay my bills. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Real life. Very much real life. Yeah. It's so hard to to face those moments. Like I I'm just wondering for you like 
How did you get through that, that realization of, okay, I can't, I can't really do what I expected I was going to do? I think I, myself as a person, um, I tend to be fairly optimistic. Mm-hmm. I can't think of many times where something didn't work out and then like my, the rest of my life was ruined. Mm-hmm. Like I had enough experiences in my life to know if something doesn't work out, just wait. Something else is going to come up. There's yeah. some like the, the end of the world isn't here. Like right. just keep going. Mm-hmm. And and choose one little small like one one small step towards what you want to be doing and you'll get there eventually. Which is not an easy mindset to always have, but I feel like that's part of who I am. Like that that's part of um my makeup. It's easier for me to lean into the okay, it's not the end of the world. Um right. I just need to keep going. And and the 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 path that I'm supposed to be on is gonna be lit when it needs to be lit. Like mm-hmm. um I don't know. I always had this like idea of like headlights when you're on a when you're on a road. Mm, and so yeah. you can, you know, headlights only let you see so far when you're in the complete dark. And so there could be a bend up ahead, but you won't know that unless you keep going and then you see the bend. Mm. If you stay put, you can only see as far as your headlights are going to go. So for me, it's this idea that I just need to kind of keep moving. Mm-hmm. And as I keep moving, the headlights are going to illuminate whatever the next part is. But if I stay stuck, or if I stay still, all I can see is what I can see. And so there's likely a bend up there and that bend is going to put me towards whatever it is that I want to be yeah. doing and like whatever fulfillment it is that I need. But if I don't keep moving, I can't see that far ahead. Like I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to yeah. be able to see that that opportunity is coming up or that this, this is all going to start making sense at some point. I just got to keep, got to keep moving. And yeah. then the headlights illuminate a little bit more and then I get mm-hmm. to keep going further. And now you're here like about 10 years later and not, not even doing music therapy. Not doing music therapy. You probably never expected that you'd be in this, this place. Like, Oh God, no. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. Once I, um, once I left music therapy and had those years working at the church, then I thought my whole entire life was in the church and Mm, then, mm -hmm. and then that ended. And now I'm in a very different space. I'm an administrative assistant. I'm like, I'm. I don't know. Some people might look at the job and be like, oh, but you're capable of so much more. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> right. I know. I hate when people say that. When That's like, like a mean thing They're like, to don't say. you, like, you went from doing this and from doing that, from doing this, and now mm-hmm. you're, and I'm like, no, but you, you don't get it. Like, I, all I need to do is I need to know that when I go to work, I'm making a difference. And, yeah. and I know that what I'm doing is making a difference. Yeah. Even though it's very different difference than like what I ever thought that I would be doing mm-hmm. but I'm like I'm supporting the leadership of the emergency department in the middle of a global pandemic yeah an educational research facility where they're like figuring all this stuff out for the rest of the world like that's huge <laughs> like yeah I, I kind of feel like I'm making a difference you know yeah and, totally and, and I get to work alongside all of these physicians who are complete adrenaline junkies like to work in the emergency department you never know what's going to be coming in and it's like all of this whatever and I'm like living off of those stories and I'm like okay tell me more yeah no I would have never I would have never pictured myself Mm -hmm. and again this is this is a practical decision I'm Mm -hmm. working at a university because I know that if I work there for 10 years my daughter's going to be able to go to college for free Mm, wow like and so if we are in a place where we can be putting money aside for her college education 
this is another practical decision that I'm making. Yeah. Like an adulting decision, a decision of like, this is life. Um, yeah. But I, I needed, I needed to know that I, I would be in a place where I felt like I was making a difference and where mm-hmm. I was being helpful. And I'm able to do both of those things. And you still use music in your own oh, life. Oh, I do. I definitely That's do. awesome. I yeah. definitely do. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it, mm-hmm. it's not like you just turned away from music. <laughs> oh, God, no. No. I'm like, uh, if, if, I, if I completed that entire degree just for my own mental health and my daughter's yeah. upbringing, then it's worth it. Like, oh, so cool. I'm using that degree to keep myself sane and to also raise a daughter who who knows herself very well and who yeah. is learning how to use music and her surroundings to, to be healthy. Yeah. So, yeah, it's worth it. It's all worth it. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> I love I love hearing how, like, every little step and every little thing kind of influences mm-hmm. everything else. Because your, your um, mental wellness is making it making you capable of doing your job in the emergency department Mm -hmm. that then makes it possible for the emergency physicians to do their job which is really like life or death (laughs) yeah Yeah. that's awesome yeah no Mm -hmm. it's it is beautiful it's a beautiful perspective and yeah nothing's wasted nothing's wasted Mm -hmm. well thank you so much for having this conversation with me today thanks for having me (laughs) it's been really cool to hear like the ins and outs and how things happen in your life yeah and I just love hearing your beautifully positive perspective and thank you you know (laughs) seeing and hearing how all of these things have a purpose and have a place um in in the trajectory the path of your life yeah um is there anything else that you would like to share with the podcast audience today? <laughs> hmm. I think I've said the things that are that I feel like are pretty important to me. Yeah. Um, I love yeah. how you say that nothing is wasted. It isn't. Like, we should just paste that over every wall. <laughs> it isn't. And then explain it. <laughs> yeah. <and> then, <laughs> like, there really, there really isn't anything that's wasted every single thing can be used for some purpose and I don't mean that in like some trite like like all things are gonna work together for good not like it's not like that type of a thing it's not um or it's not some naive perspective I don't Mm -hmm. believe that I, I believe that if I'm if I'm bringing my genuine self to every situation then whatever happens nothing's nothing's wasted everything I can learn from yeah and I just keep moving forward yeah Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's been a delight to catch up. (laughs) 